1: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A'sCast to
0: download the app. Restrictions apply. And for the first time in 2019, the lights have taken full effect. From backdoor sliders
1: to the batter's eye, and finally up to the booth, Ken Korak takes you inside the game with Taking Effect. effect. Now, here's the voice of the A's, Ken Korak.
0: Scott Emerson's professional life has revolved around pitching since he joined the Orioles organization as a lefty pitcher back in 1992. He lives it, he breathes it, and he loves it. A love affair that began back when he was uh, just a kid. That's a story we'll develop on this edition of Taking Effect, our podcast on AceCast. The man known as Emo around the A's clubhouse pitched for six seasons in the minor leagues and then began to work his way up in the minor leagues as a pitching coach and later spending two years as a roving minor league pitching instructor in the A's organization. This year marks his fifth season on Bob Melvin's major league staff. And as he begins his second full year as the A's pitching coach, we asked Scott Emerson how he developed his interest and his love of pitching.
1: Well, definitely pitching is my passion. You know, it's something that uh, it's like 24 seven around my house, you know. Uh, my wife gets on me a little bit in the off season. You know, I'm sitting there watching videos and looking at pictures and, and reading a lot of stuff and trying to, 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 to get better, you know. But uh, pitching really started for me. Uh, I remember eight years old, Darnstown, Maryland. Uh, I was playing first base for the Darnstown Yankees was the name of our team. And it's a little light sprinkle. I'll set the tone and a and, um, little breezy day. Base is loaded and I got summoned to the mound for the first time ever, and I struck out three hitters on uh, nine pitches. Now, looking back, did the umpire want to get the game over with because it was a little bit rainy and I was around the plate? But uh, I remember after the game telling my dad, man, that was awesome. That was such a rush or whatever you were. You know, I used at eight years old, and I loved every minute of it, and that's what I wanted to do.
0: Now, we're going to jump ahead just a little bit too, and we'll circle back, but as a kid in Maryland, Uh, You had this dream of playing for the Baltimore Orioles and eventually after you pitched at Scottsdale Community College You wound up being drafted and signed by the Orioles But take us through the process to get from when you were that little kid playing ball as you mentioned and then getting to the point uh, Scott where you signed that contract with baltimore
1: yeah uh there was times where my dad built a golf course he actually built two golf courses in the baltimore washington national uh area uh, crofton country club and towson country club which is also known as eagles nest and my dad would brag about his uh his uh, sunday golf partners of johnny new unitas dave mcnally and brooks robinson and him and then they maybe they play some cards afterwards so uh you know going to Memorial Stadium as a kid till I was 11 was was awesome. But, um, you know, my dad had an opportunity to move out to Phoenix, Arizona and run a golf course. And, uh, you know, I love basketball as well. And my brother always says if we stayed in Maryland, I would have went and played basketball at DeMatha. But what happened is my brother convinced me, hey, moving to arizona is going to be great because the baseball there uh, you can play a longer season and it's a hotbed and you're, you're going to love it so the family moved out to arizona when i was 11. my dad ran a golf courses i played high school baseball and basketball i uh, got drafted by the padres out at of a, at a high school and had to make a decision am i going to go play pro baseball and college basketball or what am i going to do on the baseball side so i ended up going to a junior college get drafted by the orioles my first year i had little uh bad elbow my first year of junior college didn't really throw as hard as I did in high school and then it came back my next year the Orioles still owned my rights before the 92 draft and I had to make another decision Arizona State which was mm-hmm. one of the best college baseball programs in the country or signed with the Baltimore Orioles who drafted me yeah. the year before and my dad always said hey it's your decision but I'm gonna leave you with this did you grow up wanting to be a Baltimore Oriole or an Arizona State Sun Devil and nothing against the Sun cuz that would have been a great place to go but uh you know, that hit home about hey, I got an opportunity mm-hmm. to be a Baltimore Warrior.
0: Well, you had passed up the chance to play at Damatha for Morgan Wooten, who yeah. was like a legendary uh, coach in high school. There, several, you know, numerous players went on to play in college and also uh, the pros. What was it like when you you signed that first pro contract and you began pitching professionally?
1: Oh, it was excited. I mean, I, I mean, I signed on Mother's Day of '92 and got my uh, first professional win on Father's Day of '92. Uh, you know, I remember telling the scout logan white i'll sign but you got to send me right now to to minicamp uh which or extended spring which was going on i didn't want to wait till after the draft i wanted to go immediately and i signed a Gulf coast league contract uh with, you know, i got a little sign and bonus and then um you know, the intention was I was going to pitch in the Gulf Coast League, but when I got too extended, you know, I was in shape for my junior college season. I pitched a real uh, couple really really good ball games down there, and uh, they said, "No, we're going to move you to Bluefield, West Virginia, where our team in '92 uh, uh, won the championship." Uh, and yours truly threw a nine-inning complete game for that championship. Yeah. So it was all downhill after that, Ken.
0: So, who were some of the coaches and some of the ball players that you ran into back then? That. Uh, in those formative years for you as you developed not only as a, as a pitcher and uh, then eventually chose a career as a coach who were some of the people that were instrumental and provided those building blocks for you back then?
1: Well, you know, my high school coach, Rich Chainhalt. uh who's a uh, Colorado State Hall of Famer uh, in the state of Colorado, a high school coach, and and he's a Shadow Mountain Hall of Famer at my high school as well. And Larry Smith, my junior college coach, uh, were very instrumental. Uh, Joe Sparks was a family friend, coached pro ball for many years, was an advanced scout for the Oakland A's. Uh, uh, He would come and watch my bullpens. You know, I'd make somebody watch my bullpens to, to give me a second set of eyes. Jimmy Johnson, who uh, was a longtime manager, Tucson Toros. I was real friends with, uh, good friends with his son, Jace Johnson. So I'd always talk shop with him. And then uh, pro ball, Charlie Playo, my first pitching coach. But I remember sitting in the dugout in 1993, Albany, Georgia, um, about after batting practice and watching our team take infield. And talking to Wally Moon, who was our hitting coordinator at the time, about uh, a baseball. And he was like, well, why are you watching infield? And I said, Wally, have you seen the competition around here for me? And have you watched me pitch lately? Uh, You know, if I'm not going to make it as a player, I'm sure as heck going to try to make it as a coach. And those experiences with Wally and and my coaches in the early years, and there's plenty more we'll get to who are very influential, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's when I said, you know what... If I can't make it as a player, I love this game.
0: And, of course, the light goes on for me when you mention Wally Moon. He of the famous moonshots over the short screen in left field at the L.A. Coliseum, which is where the Dodgers played from 58 through 61 before Dodger Stadium opened in 1962. And I'm thinking, Scott, that you you can learn a lot from talking to hitters. Um, even though your career has been on the other side of things because Wally Moon used to take the outside pitch and just flip it over that that screen where it was 250 down the line at the Coliseum. So I imagine those experiences um, also provided a lot of information for you as you built this reservoir of information as a coach.
1: Well, when you're getting feedback from hitters and you're getting feedback from great hitters, that's something as a coach you want to listen to because the hitters are Watching you and they're trying to put a game plan on you. So Anytime I get a chance to listen talk over here, you know Stand around the batting cage and and listen to our guys talk hitting, you know It just gives me a better knowledge or, or lets me paint a different picture on pitching
0: There are people that you've run into and have been have had profound influences on you that I've known over the years, like Marty DeMeritt, a longtime coach in the Giants organization, Ron Romanic, who wound up uh, in the A's system and uh, worked in the minor leagues and eventually worked his way up to being the pitching coach here uh, for a year or two. And then the great Keith Lippmann, who's run things in the A's minor league uh, operation for years down in the Valley of the Sun. Maybe you could take us through how those three people and maybe anyone else who comes to mind that, uh, that really helped your development.
1: Well, I think when you, when you look at the, you know, Marty Demerit, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around in the pitching department, well above his years. He was the pitching coordinator of the Pirates who gave me my first job. Good friend of mine, John Green, became the uh, farm director, offered me a job. I was you know, trying to get a job back in baseball, uh, and uh, whether it was scouting or, or player development, and John Green... Got me some scouting interviews then kind of during this process he got the uh the uh farm director's job with the pirates said i want to hire you i said i'm in and he's very influential and big part of my career then that's we you know I, I met marty unbelievable baseball mind and then we move into the A's organization and and i start off i, I come over to the A's organization and i have ron romantic well, what an unbelievable pitching mind you know Really, you know, mechanics and and, uh, routine orientated, and then, then, then Ron came up to the big leagues, and Gil Patterson uh, replaced him, and Gil's the exact same way, uh, a little bit more pitch grip minded and uh, mental toughness, and so I'm I'm grabbing from Marty, then Ron, and then um, Gil Patterson, and then of course you know Kurt Young who was the A's pitching coach and a great friend of mine, and we still talk today a lot about pitching and about different things. Bob Melvin, uh, our manager, who I, it, by far, in my opinion, is the best manager in baseball, most prepared guy I've ever seen on a baseball field, and that's what I inspire to be. I want to be, uh, I, wanna, I believe that uh, preparation is separation, and I'm trying to be the best prepared person I mm-hmm. can be to help the pitchers and then it comes to the point you know our, our front office has been influential in, in allowing me to be creative and and do the things I do and then we get to Keith Lippman I can't tell you enough about Keith Lippman and not only my career on a baseball field but my life off the baseball field and the things that Keith has done for me uh, personally you know with the coaches he made us read books leadership books and Uh, Style He's a a venting board. I mean, I I can't talk enough about how much this guy means to me as a person.
0: Yeah, he means a lot to all of us who've worked in the A's organization and has been so instrumental in the A's success over all these years. And you're bringing back a lot of memories for me. uh, Kurt Young, as we record this, it's the 17th of April. Kurt's birthday, I think, was yesterday, the 16th, which he shares with Bruce Bochy, by the way. And uh, Ron Romanek, when I started my career broadcasting in the minor leagues up in Roner Park. Uh, the Angels had their single-A ball club up there, uh, the Redwood Pioneers in the Cal League, and Ron was our ace. He was our best pitcher. Uh, this was back in 1981, and he wound up having a nice career as a pitcher in the big leagues and has worked many, many years, like you said, um, doing all kinds of different things related uh, to pitching and pro ball. But Keith Lippmann, to come back to him because you mentioned that the books that he had you read and this is something that is kind of a cornerstone philosophy for him and because he's been so instrumental it's spread throughout the organization he's very heavily into kind of the intellectual side of things um it's almost a zen thing i think with him and not only providing books on leadership but also on the mental aspect of the game uh, you know, he was he was at the forefront of sports psychology. when they has hired Harvey Dorfman. When nobody else was doing that, everybody um, around sports and not just in, in baseball is involved in that. But from the mental side of things, what did you learn from Keith Lippmann when it came to leadership and being able to focus and get the most out of people, because I think that's been the thing where Keith Lipman has had his greatest influence on the A's system.
1: Well, I I think uh, I've learned the most, you you want to establish a relationship with the people you're working with. So uh, if, you know, not saying people get angry at each other but if people are having a a disagreement you can respect their opinion and not get upset about it you know I tell the players look I don't work for you you don't work for me we work together to get you to reach your maximum potential as a pitcher period that's all we're trying to do is get you to be the best pitcher we can possibly be now if I'm kicking you in the rear or I'm giving you high fives you have to know I'm doing this because I care and then I tell them, I don't want to care about your career more than you care about your career, you know? Unfortunately, my wife and I, we, we never had kids of our own. We, we lost a, a few uh, attempts. But uh, when people say, do you have any kids? My wife would say, yeah, we got about 115 of them, you know? Or or now we're now we're probably up in around 700, 800 of them mm-hmm. because I care about all the guys that I've ever had because that's my job. You know, my job is to get them to be where they want to be And if I got to push him and kick him in the rear, I hope they know it's because I care.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned Bob Melvin, three-time manager of the year. And most people who are listening to this know a lot about, uh, you know, plenty about his career. What's the dynamic like, Scott, between a pitching coach and a manager, especially at this level, at the major league level?
1: Well, you know, uh, I you respect Bob for for his managing skills. I respect Bob for his communication and and the things that he does, and I, I think he does the same for me. Uh, and you know, from my standpoint as the pitching coach, all I'm asking for is um, you know somebody to ask me what I think, and Bob does a great job with that during the game. Uh, you know on the plane or wherever we're at what do you think about doing this and this and that and i don't expect him to go with it all the time you know because uh his job is hard enough he has to make the decisions but he, he allows me to plead my case and and let him know and i got to be ready for the reasons mm-hmm. why i got to have supported data and information to why i think that this guy should pitch or that guy shouldn't or or what have you so I, i'm always trying to be prepared for when the questions asked and bob does a, amazing job and he lets me handle the pitching and and when he needs to ask questions he asks the questions and mm-hmm. i, I got to be ready to answer
0: them coming to you from the bullpen at the coliseum on a beautiful day with scott emerson he is Uh, pitching coach, and so instrumental in the A's having a great year last year going to the postseason and winning 97 games. But we've talked about all these influences you've had and your own experiences as a pitcher and going through the good and the bad and times when you've struggled and, you know, you try to figure out a way to get out of that. And you have this incredible reservoir of information from all the people that you've met and also your own experiences. Um, Scott, how do you, how do you coalesce all that and get it into your own philosophy that you can deliver in a more simple form because I mean with all this knowledge You've got to kind of narrow that down a little bit so you can be an effective teacher
1: Well, I think the discipleships, you know, you're you're grabbing from each individual that you're learning from and you know There's times where you know, like I said Marty Demerit uh, Ron Romanek, uh Gil Patterson and uh, Kurt Young, I didn't believe uh, or I didn't believe everything they were telling me or want to believe everything that they were telling me i had to have my own opinions my own thoughts my own ideas but i took from them you know in in reality we we all um i guess uh copy other people Mm -hmm. you know we take information from other people and we form it into our own opinions and our own thoughts and our own ideas and that's what i've done from marty you know marty taught me how to work number one thing mm-hmm. you know the first day I showed up other than him telling me hey you already got a pitching coach body that's awesome you know <laughs> he, he said uh, <laughs>
0: is that like the broadcaster diet yeah I mean yeah. we talk about the broadcaster's diet may, maybe there is something that equates to but, the pitching coach's body
1: well the, the uh, uh, face for radio <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly so, uh, <laughs> the best example of that is sitting right here <laughs> so Marty taught you how to work you know 6 a.m. we shot to work with these pitchers 6:30 we're hitting comebackers and he said if you're coming off the field And your uniforms clean you didn't do your job today you need to be dirty you you need to get in there and do your work and you need to touch each and every player with something every day whether some guys you just touch with your verbiage and other guys you tactically touch and work on something on the mound whether they're throwing or they're not throwing but you try to walk that 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 field and you you give a touch point to everybody every day and that's what Marty taught me you know, and, and Ron Romanic taught me about uh, routines, you know. These guys should have routines. Now, with that being said, you, you have a routine, and then if your routine gets altered, you have a routine for that, too, you know, and... and uh, Gil taught me the warrior mentality, the one pitch at a time, that you have to be in the present. And then when you make the pitch, you have to put that pitch behind you and, and make the next pitch. So there's just so much that I've learned from many different people, not only that have coached me. That I've coached. I learned coaching kids, you know, what they can and can't do. I listen to our front office people, and, and when they got an idea, and I try to be creative and think, yes, he can do it, he can't. I mean, I'm listening to the bushy, the hitting. I'm just trying to take in what I can and uh, form an opinion on everything mm-hmm. that I get.
0: Scott Emerson joining us on Taking Effect, known as Emo around the A's affectionately so, known as uh, Emo around the A's ball an club. What uh, Emerson,
1: Emo, I mean, right out there. I,
0: Korak is Rack. I mean, yeah. there are people who don't know me as Ken. They know me as, that's all they know, is that they know me as Rack. But Marty DeMeritt, who had this profound influence on you, one time was the coach in the big leagues with the Cubs. So I'm getting off the beaten path a little bit, but I'm going to forget to ask you about this. Mark Pryor spent his whole year, or his whole, almost his whole career hurt. Had uh, this incredible potential and people used to look at him and say how can a guy with he looks so aesthetically perfect like he had great mechanics how does a guy like that get hurt emo when on the surface it looks like everything is is flowing so nice and easily for him
1: well i think you know you look at technology nowadays and you look at these high-speed cameras and uh you know nothing against mark uh, very good pitcher by the way but uh, ultimately you know at foot strike in his pitching mechanics he was inverted W um, which basically I don't know why they don't call her down but when his foot's down both his elbows are above the shoulders and both forearms of the hand are pointing down nowadays they'll tell you that that's not the position you really want to be in. And that in. could cause injury? That could cause injury. What what happens is the foot's down, the energy's been transferred and now he's got to rip the arm up to get the forearm up and the ball up. So, not saying that's a cause of any of the injuries because, you know, there's a you know, the number one cause of of most injuries is overuse and then the next cause is just high velocity. I mean, period. Guys that throw 100 miles an hour or Are more susceptible to getting hurt than a guy throwing 85. And that's proven fact. And then the overuse, uh, these kids playing year round, you know, we're getting kids nowadays that are having Tommy Johns before they get even to professional baseball. So we're doing a lot of pitching, we're doing a lot more weight training nowadays, and and the game's getting uh, geared more towards velocity. But back on prior, you know, one, he was a very good pitcher. Uh, And I'm not saying that that got him hurt, but I'm saying now with technology, we can see the positions we don't want guys to get into, and that would probably be a position I wouldn't want our guys in.
0: I guess one of my points is, is there a certain randomness to it, to a pitcher getting hurt, where you you could have the best mechanics in the world, and you still get hurt?
1: Well, you know, I've been fortunate to go to ASMI, American Sports Medical Institute, and give a couple talks um, for Dr. James Andrews, who Mm -hmm. does the Tommy John stuff, and I've been invited to talk down there. And uh, the number one Tommy John pitchers are right-handed hard throwers. Mm -hmm. The number two uh, are right-handed starters. So your relievers are generally the ones getting hurt the most because they throw the hardest. And generally the reason why they're relievers is because they don't have great mechanics and can't repeat and they you know you go three or four innings they start to wear Mm -hmm. down Mm -hmm. then it's right-handed starters because they throw the second hardest then it's left-handed relievers and I think left-handed relievers throw a lot of breaking balls and it's not really proven that breaking balls can hurt the arm as bad as fastballs but when they only do these studies on a healthy arm. So if you get tired and you're over doing your breaking ball, you know I think that you can expose yourself to injury. And then the last is the left-handed starters because generally they're, they're more of the touch and feel, finesse-type pitchers. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where the game, uh, that's where the, it's heading.
0: Before we close this today, we'll have many more opportunities as the weeks and the months go on during the baseball season. After all, it's only the middle of April as Scott Emerson is joining us. Um, I think it's interesting, too, because you have to have maybe a different approach with different pitchers. With a young pitcher, let's say, like Frankie Montas, who's in his first year uh, with the A's as a starting pitcher and uh, hopefully going from start to finish in a major league rotation for the first time. Then you have veterans who join a club like Marco Estrada, who's 35, and uh, Joaquin Soria, who's been around a long time, has over 200 lifetime saves. He's been an all-star. So with guys like that, Uh, Do you kind of take it slowly? Do you ask them to come to you and say these are certain checkpoints that I have If I get out of whack with my mechanics, can you check that? How do you approach a guy who joins a club for the first time and has a long track record?
1: Well, first of all, you want to uh, I said earlier establish that relationship with guys that hey, I'm here to help you I'm not here to do anything else, but help you get you better and uh, you know the veteran guys have set routines and sometimes it is hard to, to crack the ice a little bit but you're, you're hoping that uh, more times than not the veterans want to continue to get better so they're always seeking help you know i go back to last year with k hill and, and edwin jackson they're always seeking information and that's what i'm trying to drive with the veterans here hey look I can help you here let's do this but you can't be too pushy early in the relationship or they're gonna they're gonna not want to hear it so and generally when you when they struggle they're going to come to you you know when when you go to a frankie montas and an aaron brooks and a jb wendelkin you get to be a little bit more assertive because they're, they're starting out, you know. I mean, we do a little bit more drill work with them than we do with the veterans. One, the veterans have been around a long time, the wear and tear. And, uh, you know, sometimes it just getting them on the field is a plus, you know, mm-hmm. where the young guys are, are, you know, really chipper and jumping around and eager to mm-hmm. do stuff. And, you uh, but I use the veterans to help out the the, the rookies, and I use the rookies to, to push the veterans. So, you know, a lot of it is uh, building that relationship and and knowing the timing of when you got to move in. But uh, you really want them to come to you first. But my job for this organization is, if it's not going right, I got to get in there. Yeah. And that's what I do. And and you know, I said earlier, you know, if you know that I care, you know, I'm I'm not coming in and getting getting. Uh, I don't want to irritate you, but I'm coming in because we have we have a plan in store, and that plan is to be playing in the World Series and winning the World Series at the end of the year. And if you're off to a slow start and you're struggling and I see something, i got to move in.
0: It's really hard, and you can relate to this, to walk away from the game as a player. And I imagine you might have gone through that as well, although you had these, these avenues opening up for you as a coach because now you're a lefty pitcher did you think about i'm going to try to throw a sidearm or down under uh chain maybe i mean people think maybe i could stay in the game if i learn the knuckleball did you go through those similar emotions and was it hard for you to say goodbye to being a player although you had this opportunity as a coach
1: well uh you know in uh 94 we got into a little bench clear and uh unfortunately i was under the on the bottom of the pile and I I heard two things snap in my low back and uh, I just was never honestly the same after that. I just could not bend over and get into the position. So after that, so my, the my, decision yeah, was a little bit easier. My, my career, <laughs> I was just hanging on. You know, when I was with the Red Sox, uh, they wanted me to have uh, spinal fusion, and I said, "So what's my ex- expectancy of return?" And they said, "Oh, you might not ever play again." And I was like, "Nope, I'm, I'd rather try this out." So I just treaded water a lot. I mean, my best pitch was my pickoff move. I mean, it just. I was treading water, but, you know, I was a student of the game. And that's that's why I'm here today is because I've been able to hit every position in the minor leagues as a coach. I've gone to Mexico to coach, Arizona Fall League, bullpen coach, coordinator, and now pitching coach.
0: Europe.
1: Europe. I go to Europe and help kids in Europe. I don't think there's anybody that on a pitching resume can say they started from the bottom, they got to the top. Look, I'm a no-name on the field as a player so uh hopefully you know i want to be the best pitching coach i got a little ego too i want to be great too (laughs) but uh and i strive to be that but at the end of the day i'm not as so worried about myself as i'm i'm worried about our players and our pitchers careers
0: see if you know if you were me it was easy like if you were a mediocre high school pitcher and basketball player And you had those dreams. The only major league dream that I had that even had a smidgen's chance of working out was going up to the booth. But I know you've had an interest in broadcasting as well, and you've done some shows uh, during your time in the minor leagues. So it's it's really been fun chatting with you, Emo, and I, I know we'll get a chance to do this as the season moves along. And we're sitting here in your office. What a great place to go to work. I mean, we're sitting literally in the ace bullpen on a beautiful day. The grass is green. The ace are starting to come out on the field and do their their workouts it's 2 40 in the afternoon so uh, you know man you've got a pretty cool job down here
1: you know what's crazy ken is right now i still feel like i can drop 20 points somewhere you know <laughs> let me shoot some threes we we, we, we got the three-point line like my sophomore year in high school you know and I feel like i ought have scored a little bit more from the three-point line if it, it wasn't as acceptable. Analytically, now it, it, it's more acceptable to sh- why shoot a 18-footer when you can drop back to 22 feet and make a three and get yeah. an extra point, you know? But you know, yeah, we're we're out here, Clay Wood and his staff, best field in Major League Baseball, and just sitting here smelling the grass, listening to music, watching the guys work, and that's that's the best part about baseball is being outside, watching that ball. And playing and catch, I still love to play catch and move the ball around.
0: We're waxing romantic about the game, but it does take you back. When you come out early, I was talking to Bob Melvin about this. When you come out early and it's quiet and you do, you kind of just look around the field and... And how beautiful the field looks, and I think it takes you back to those days when you fell in love with baseball.
1: Well, what I love is, you know, I love when the the baseball music is playing. You know, uh, put me in, coach.
0: Yeah, You're no. Ready, I know. Yeah,
1: and I yeah. can't sing, but that's where we where we are on that. But then, then the organ music is playing, and then you go to the stadiums and they have the old time uniforms and the smell of the air. I mean, that's the popcorn. When I can smell popcorn, I'm like, man, it's ball time. Let's play two. Let's, play. let's find a way to get two in tonight. Yeah,
0: let's say the Ernie Bang. We're getting a little syrupy here. But uh, Scott Emerson's been with us on today's edition of uh, Taking Effect, the A's Pitching Coach. And more Taking Effect shows will be coming up in the next few weeks. And uh, A's Cast continues with more programming right after this. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.